Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Oh my God. This ball's thrown and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. That's a great catch by David Tyree. Welcome back to Catch the Moment Podcast. It's your host, David Tyree. Checking in for another tremendous episode with some good people. We're going to go through their story, get you through your process, your pain point. And, man, just talk life, talk um, the experience to get you to your next moment of success. Here with my, my with some new friends of mine, some compadres, some partners. It's my boy, Jason Bolton and Oliver Wiener, CEO and COO of Fan Arch Fellas. What's, what's going on? How we doing? Well, how you doing? What's going on in the fan? Listen, man, I'm out here in these New York City streets. You see, we live in lavish out here. <laughs> nice, you know, nice little table. I don't know what kind of wood grain this is. But nah, man, how y'all doing? Solid over here, you know. Just Solid. Chilly day in New York City, but yeah. nothing, nothing too crazy. Just getting a little bit of work done. Good deal. Get a little bit of work done? Got a little good grind A little day? bit of work done. You know, it's a Monday, so we're getting the, the gears the gears turning a little bit. But yeah. We're doing all right. You got to get past Monday. You got to yeah. get the grind on. So we're going to, we start, we like to start every dialogue with a with a almost like an obvious question, right? So y'all y'all see me, I'm salt and pepper over here with the grays. Y'all a little younger. We're gonna get into <laughs> y'all journey a little bit. But where were you the first time you saw the helmet catch? What were your thoughts? Was there any story or backdrop that went along with that? So that's that's for both of y'all. But I'll yeah. let you get it first, Jay. Awesome. So yeah, basically when I saw the helmet catch, I was probably what ten years old. <laughs> and so I was um actually at a Super Bowl party um, with my dad, and yeah, no, like I had um, I had been a Patriots fan, unfortunately. Oh, nasty so, confession. Yeah, <laughs> so I I watched it, but I was amazed, and I was first off, I was like, who is this guy? I never heard of him, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's kind of when I saw the catch, and that led to the craziest comeback I ever seen for a ten year old. So you know, yeah, yeah. You a little, little tight, but you know you had to deal with it. Yeah, no, okay. I was I was a little upset. You know, I was a big Wes Welker fan, and yeah. liked I like Tom Brady, but you know, if anyone had to do it, I guess it had to be you. Yeah, you, you, true, true that. You look a little more like you know Danny Amendola. You know, I would say that I'm probably better off not being in any professional sport. You know, guys like me were never meant to be professional athletes. Oh uh, well, well, obviously it's amazing how the journeys take you full circles. All right, all right, easy O, O Wiener. What you got for me? <laughs> so, we were talking about this earlier, but your okay. catch, that Super Bowl game, was the first football game I ever watched. First game. Which is crazy. First football game I ever watched. Sports. And obviously, sports became my life, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, I was, I think I was either seven or eight. I'm 22 now. Dope. So, I was very young. I knew who Amani Toomer was because okay. one of my friends had his, like, jersey. One of those, like, had a jersey. Walmart jerseys or something. But, yeah, that was the first football game I ever watched, and you were the... The highlight of it, which is pretty crazy. Let's go, now baby. That we're Let's here. go. <laughs> Super Bowl 42. It's almost 15 years, baby. Yeah. That's freaking crazy. All right, so 22 years old. How old is you, Jay? 24. 24. All right, so y'all are some young executives, entrepreneurs, business owners, um, and you've, you've built up a tremendous platform called FanArch. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so basically FanArch is a platform that helps professional athletes just monetize their personal and also build their personal brand. And we do that through our personalized fan stores, helping them create a logo for themselves, as well as secondary and tertiary designs where their fans can go and support them. Cool. And on top of that, we also help them offer video shout-outs and do a little bit of media stuff on the side for them. That's fantastic. All right, so, you know, I'm always amazed. And, and 
you know, anybody who's, you know, tuned in, you hear me, I'm in fact, you know, like, like there's, there's an emerging generation that are doers, right? Mm -hmm. And I know y'all get so much slack. Y'all probably just like my son. He's probably a Gen Z, whatever, right? It's a lot of conversation around your generation, but, um, you know, and I, and I beat my son up a little bit, you know, <laughs> but then there's people like yourselves who are out here doing things and, and, and making moves. What's been the biggest obstacle that you've encountered as a young executive in business, you know, in business for myself, I think the biggest obstacle has been just believing in yourself that like what you're doing is right. Mm. With our platform, we don't charge the athlete anything. And mm. so, you know, the idea is like, do how am I going to monetize this? Do the people around me think that I'm doing the right thing? And, you know, I've always wanted to be success. And so sure. the biggest obstacle has been is the time it takes to become a success. I'm 24 yeah. and I want to be a 35 year old CEO who has achieved everything already. Mm. And so I think sticking with it in the early days where you're seeing obstacles, it has been the hardest thing, but then you get short, small things like this where you get to meet one of your idols and yeah. that makes it all worth it, you mm. know? And so I think that's been the biggest thing, just overcoming the obstacles and, know, and believing yourself that this is the right path to be on. Mm, so 24 to 22. So you get involved. Uh, yeah. you, 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 get, you, get, you bring Owen, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> bring Owen as a heavy hitter at 22. Yeah, so yeah. obviously I'm sure how long is, as, have you guys been working together uh, now? Close to three years, between two and three years. Um, Jason started the company and then um, he was, Jason grew up being friends with my sister, my older sister. Okay. Um, at sleepaway camp. The Ho sleepaway hope you weren't too close. Went to. not, too <laughs> no, close. Not, not like that. <laughs> just a friend thing. That'd be too messy, no. <laughs> but there, was a, there was a dude named Biz Marquis. He said, you say he's just a friend. <laughs> Go look that up. That's old school, but nah. Go ahead, bro. Um, and so, after years of having a very wholesome friendship <laughs> with my sister, um, yeah, I, I always wanted to work in sports. And during, during COVID, I found out school, I was going into my junior year of college. And mm. I found out school was going to be completely remote. Yeah. And my sister had kind of mentioned, like, oh, you can, you know, message Jason about this, like, whatever. And Jason had told me about it a while, a while ago during probably, like, six months before at, like, a New Year's party at my house. And so, yeah, I hit him up. And I was like, hey, like, let me intern for you, whatever. We got on a call. And then... We were growing a lot. The company was growing a lot. We had a really good rapport. We kind of thought the same. And then yeah. now we're business partners and super dope, bro. Doing big things, hoping to do bigger things. And yeah. That is super <laughs> duper dope, bro. I love it, man. Like you guys, like number one, so I, I just think it's dope to celebrate people who are doers, right? Like two things I'm enamored with, like, you know, just high integrity folks who are who are doers. And um, so, you know. Talk to me a little bit just about the journey. So I think it's, it's Florida, right? Now you're from Florida, but now y'all in the city. What was life like growing up? Um, you know, like I said, I know you're still still fairly, you know, you're still fairly ripe <laughs> in, all, in all these areas. But what was life like growing up in Florida, and how did things come together and with that transition into business, entrepreneurship, and, yeah. and eventually moving into the city? Yeah. So my childhood like was pretty rough as a kid. Talk um, about you know when I. So when I was six years old, my mom had passed of a drug and alcohol addiction. Man, and then when I was eight, I got diagnosed with leukemia. Um, and that was really in my, the biggest pivotal point in my life because I, everyone in my family stopped everything they were doing. Sure. And that led to my love for sports. I was in the hospital for around seven months straight um, with the type of leukemia called AML. Um, they told me I had a 5% chance to live. Um, 
And yeah, you know, when I was in the hospital, that they people gave me memorabilia, and that's got my love for sports. I developed an amazing relationship with my father, um, <laughs> and that propelled me to have a different outlook on life. I would say. Sure. And it was really interesting. After being in the hospital, I had learned. I didn't. I never knew that I had a five percent chance to live. My dad lived by a mm. mindset that if you don't know your odds, you won't live by your odds. Uh, so and good. so that five percent. I never. I was. I was uh, nine years old. I never really thought I was going to die. I was like, I'm sick. I'm going to get through this. Sure. When I get out on the other side, it's going to be awesome. Mm. And so coming out of the hospital with different mindset, a love for sports. Uh, I just had the most amazing outlook. Um, best relationship with my father. And then, yeah. uh, you know, five years later, he actually passed. Um, five years later. My dad passed when I was 15. You got some blows. Yeah. And, but he was an entrepreneur, which led for me to want to be an entrepreneur. He started an accounting firm called Daskal Bolton, which was uberly successful in South Florida. Tremendous. Um, and that always inspired me to want to do my own thing. I always thought that I was going to join that business. Sure. And then at the age of 19, I get an accounting internship. My dad passed, but I got an internship at the firm, and I hated it. The fucking worst thing really? I'd ever done in my life. No one, I, my whole life was shattered in front of me thinking that, man, I thought accounting was a thing, and now I'm like, crap, I have to do something else. <laughs> Sidebar, I remember getting my MBA. Accounting in college, I took a class, accounting class in college, turmoil. And I went and go for it again in my MBA, turmoil, okay? <laughs> It is such a backwards way of doing of math, right? Credits and debit. They go like, out of their way to make it difficult. Oh, my gosh. It is and retarded. They, and yeah. the accounting teachers, man, they just, like, want you to hate your life. Like, yeah. I do not. I don't get it. Like, I don't get how someone can show up every day and, like, smile at you and assign you work that they know you don't understand yeah. and just live with themselves. <laughs> but man. it is what it is. Man, like, man, you're, you're, obviously your story, your, your personal story of triumph and overcome is pretty pretty powerful in itself. Like, you know, so that has to, like, set your outlook, right? Like, so from, from, from enduring that and overcoming that, we had some backdoor conversations. But how is that working with people? You know, um, you work with athletes, and I, I've been an athlete. Yeah. And there's different temperaments. There's entitlements. And <laughs> how do you guys manage that, knowing that you actually have endured some things? they probably looking at you like, life is sweet. Life is good. You're the owner of a company. Yeah. What's, what's that like? How do you internalize that and just you know, work, work your way through it? Yeah, for majority of athletes, I don't tell them my story. Um, mm. I don't want them to know. I want them to... I don't want to use my story to my advantage. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why. It just yeah. doesn't feel, feel right to me. I want, them, I want to feel like any other kid who earned it. Yeah. So I didn't go into my dad's business. And so, you know, I think that athletes are one of the most misunderstood groups of people on the planet. You mm -hmm. know, like they... Their whole life, you know, you, we talked about earlier, sure. they... They're almost sometimes treated as gods, but they come from really bad backgrounds. And so they go on the field, they perform, they go back home. You don't know what's going on always. Sure. And so that would, that's what gave me my love for sport. Um, and so dealing with the temperaments on a daily basis is tough, but you kind of understand, like, where it comes from. Yeah. Um, sometimes I wish uh, athletes were more grateful for, you know, yeah. what we did offer um, because we're only trying to help always. Um, but... You know, I think that as we build relationships with a lot of these athletes, you know, on the first day, no athlete's going to trust you because mm. they've been burned a lot. You know, a lot of people are asking for things for them. And then, but if you have a relationship with an athlete for six months, a year, two years, you're like family. And so that's what I've noticed with athletes like that. It's, it's just, it's like, a, it's like breaking a shell. Like, you yeah. know, like, and so once you get past that part, you it's know, good. things 
do get a lot better. That's good. Uh, but talk about like what, what, what some uh, how some of your transition into the company and and kind of you know like how you found your sweet spot and obviously you doing you mentioned mm-hmm. it you, you love sports and you know what were you passionate about that made you feel so um, excited about getting into this space? Yeah, so I I grew up obsessed with sports. Mm-hmm. Um, baseball was my first love, which transitioned to basketball and football. Um, and those were the business side of sports was just always so intriguing to me and so I loved like you know trade deadlines and who's gonna go where and like how much money is this guy making and the whole business behind sports and so um you know like in my I just found a notebook we were clearing out my grandparents country house and it was like a first grade notebook or something it's like I'm gonna be the general manager of the New York Yankees not shortstop of the New York Yankees or (laughs) the general manager I wanted to you know I wanted to um, see it from that light and then I always kind of when it came to conversations with athletes and mm-hmm. about athletes and stuff, I was always kind of like the athlete apologist, if that makes sense. Like someone would be okay. like, I'd be watching a game with someone. We need, and a, few, we need a few yeah. extra apologists <laughs> every now and then. They would be like, oh, like this guy's playing lazy or this guy's doing that. And I'm like, he's not playing lazy. Like you can't get to the pros <laughs> unless you're, you know, you're, you're the number one of the number one. And like, I always really felt that part of which, cause I think growing up so into it you kind of just feel a part of it even though you're not at all yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. You know, I know where this guy's from like I know I what it. he's feeling and so that being able to obviously fan arch like when I first started working with Jason and we started growing like being able to do something that kind of you know epitomizes that is really yeah. like that's what we do is giving athletes tools for themselves to work off the field and monetize themselves when they're done playing, after they tear their ACL, be that safety net for them when things don't necessarily work out. Yeah. Because as you know, oh, man, all know. their relationships are transactional and it's based on how well they're doing on the field. And everyone wants to talk to David Tyree after he makes a great catch. Yeah. Five, ten years later, if you're not playing football or you're doing something else, they're like, oh, yeah, he was cool. Or, oh, he has that cool highlight. But they don't, they're not interested in the person behind what's actually going on. And for both of us, like, we... You know, athletes, we work with them. And so it yeah. breaks down that kind of guys in a way, once you get to know someone about like being these greats, but we really look up to you guys. And, you know, yeah. athletes were our first heroes. So being able to pour some back in there, pour that into it is huge. And that's kind of like the the common thread that kind of keeps stringing us along this journey. Man, like I said, y'all on your way to, to an amazing journey. So I could definitely speak to that. It was, it was really easy. Obviously, you know, like we out here, we got catch the moment. We got this amazing platform. We're building business. And, you know, reality is, you know, most athletes, they, you know, they have a platform. They may have ideas, but there's no reason for somebody who's 22 years old, 25 years old, 27 years old with no background to have this figured out. Right. right? So, you know, what I saw, the opportunity was, well, I don't want to hold inventory. I will hold inventory if, if it means I have yeah. to. But man, I can only only got black T-shirts, <laughs> you know. And obviously, dropship is a thing. Is lots of different vendors, but um, I saw it as a easy easy solution. So check out the fan art store, of course. Got to <laughs> David Tyree fan art store. Get you some good DT three swag. Make sure you give a fan art drop. David Tyree drop. We all good. So so um, with that, man, I totally I totally feel you. And honestly, um, athletes don't you. Everybody wants to focus in. On, on, on one or two things, right? Like, how have you guys, as you talk about building building this business, you know, how do you complement each other? You talk about how y'all work well together, right? Typically, you know, if you're good at all the same things, you know, complement each other well. So how has that been as you guys been working together, building this business, 
Um, how do you guys complement each other to continue to see the growth of the company? Well, we were just talking about it, actually, right before okay. we came here. We were eating dinner, and Jason is... One of Jason's biggest strengths is being so realistic in the moment in terms of what we're doing, whether it's like breaking down something into goals and being able to like, right, really map it out. And so mm. one of my biz- biggest strengths is just like constant unbridled optimism. Like, this is like, like my... Which pisses me the fuck. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll push against each other and it kind of like, you know, it kind of like ends up going up because you need that you need somebody to be pushing this like greater agenda forward kind of like, sure. you know, where, where this fits into the bigger picture and how we're going to go there. And like, you know, constantly dreaming about we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And you need to also be able to find that middle ground. And obviously, oh. you know, we go back and forth and, but I think the biggest thing is neither of us are, we don't get our feelings hurt. So if okay. I come up with an idea and Jason's like, this is bullshit. Like this is terrible. Yeah. I'll be like, Yo, maybe it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. Maybe you're right. Man. Yeah, I'll be like, dude, like, maybe that's a terrible idea. And vice versa. You know, he'll come up with something and I'll be like, I'll I'll do this thing with Jason sometimes. Well, he'll give me an idea and I'll just start asking him questions or picking it apart, even if I totally agree with what he's saying. Just to like ah, flesh fine. it out of him. Like, it's all right, good. let's go. I'm the I'm the dickhead that doesn't like what you're talking about. So yeah. you know, you talk gotta to be me prepared. About it Get him some reps. Get and, him some reps. And to that not being sensitive about it he doesn't he won't take that as me being like you're an idiot or i disagree with you he's like okay like let's rise to the occasion you know what i'm saying y'all got some iron sharpens iron up in here (laughs) you're sharpening the swords that's fantastic man so um tell me like what obviously you got a tremendous platform i was i'm gonna tell you what i was most impressed by you know the platform is clean um you know like you know like there's things I don't want to say I'm hard to impress, but I have enough experience at this point where I'm like, I know, and I, I look for solutions. I'm like, and then eventually I look for the best solution, right? So everybody's out here shopping for the best deal, right? So, but what I was most impressed by, I was like, oh, snap, they threw my podcast on here. Throw a podcast episode, man. Like, so talk to me about how innovation ideas and how you, you know, where, where you see the growth of, uh, of fan arch, you know, you got to drop anything that's super duper crazy. Yeah. Maybe where, how, how, do you, how, how do you see this thing materializing? Down the road? I think the biggest thing with fan arch is that we try to see the fan source through the athlete's eyes. And then we do a lot of free stuff for athletes that like putting your podcast on our platform does not provide us any value. <laughs> Zero. It only provides you value, but we understand that if we can provide athletes enough value, they will trust us and they will want to continue to work with us. And while we figure out the future, while we while we figure out the future, and we keep you guys trust, yeah, we're gonna figure it out. You know, we're, we're 24, 22. We have a long plan. Arc is not it's in its last rendition. I sure. didn't. My dream was not to start a t-shirt company. <laughs> like, if you think I, I stayed up at night when I was ten, thinking, man, how am I gonna help David Tyree sell catch t-shirts? <laughs> that is not the case. The case was I want to work with athletes in, in a way where you guys respected me. Where, yeah. I, you know, I, when I was in college, I used to get autographed. I'd be the kid yeah. who would go outside the stadium and get you to sign all these photos, and I'd throw them right on eBay. Yeah. Because that's how I made my money. Yep. And after a while, I became really bitter with it because I was like, these guys don't like me. They don't want me to be here. <laughs> no, I, I, hate, I hated guys like you. <laughs> of course. But that's fantastic. He actually brought some stuff with us for you to see. Oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> no problem. Man's got it. Man's he put got my eat. podcast on his platform. <laughs> yeah. It was just the easiest. I lived right next to a baseball stadium. It's the easiest way I knew how to make money. I grew up going to the games, getting stuff signed. Sure. And I saw, like, 
every time I saw something, someone signed something, I like thought dollars immediately. Yeah. You know, I'm like, David Tyree is going to get my, give me an autograph. That's 20 bucks. Yeah. He signs two, that's 40, 60. And so in college, I was able to save up a large sum of money by just doing that. And, but I knew it wasn't a long-term goal of mine because I saw the way the other guys in the industry were kind of looked at. And, like, it wasn't positive. And the athletes it's just not. saw it as a chore. And, like, so that's why I, I wanted to build something that only helped. And so for the future, I think we're going to keep looking in ways to where how can a David Tyree monetize his brand when he, you know, and, yeah. you know, keep finding ways that you can. You know, memorabilia is one of them. You know, sure. maybe it's getting podcasts involved. Like, who knows? There's, But, you know, and as the world evolves, like, six months ago, we thought NFTs were the future of, you know. <laughs> and, fantastic. And we studied them. I studied NFTs. All Oliver's like, dude, this is it. We're going <laughs> to make our billions of NFTs. We're going to sell David Tyree artwork, one of five. It's going to be crazy. And then the whole market tanked. Yep. And then we're like, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> and so... You have pivots, you know, sure. like obviously the world is only growing. Social media is only getting bigger of and monetizing that fan base and capturing it's going to be where we make our money. We don't ever really want to directly charge the athlete. That's not our goal because we want athletes to keep their money. That's sure. the goal. Athletes need to grow their wealth. Um, and that's why we love you guys. You know, we want you guys to be like, I want to see you in 20 years from now mm -hmm. being as loved and respected as you are now. You know, and okay. that's fantastic. And but God, like, got plans for me. That's what I'm talking take about. Fan Arch like, got oh, plans for you. Hey, listen, Fan Arch got a plan for you, baby. That's what I'm talking that. about. And, my right there here. we go. And yeah, you know, it's the saddest thing is seeing a you know someone who you idolized being older and needing money and yeah. like it's like, challenging. How are, how are you? How is that legendary guy who we all cheered for broke? Yeah. And so that's kind of the goal of Fan Arch: yeah. keep providing opportunities for guys who. We're not trying to work with Steph Curry and Tom Brady. We're yeah. trying to work with like the sixth man, like the guy who like had the helmet catch. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Listen, man, kind of I think they're, they're they're tangible opportunities. Like even social media and the digital age has made a free agent market more accessible for everyone. Athletes did no business in my era. Like bottom line is like we're looking at an emerging athlete with NIL, paid opportunities, obviously through college, now even high school theoretically, um, because of how massive some of these sports platforms are so you're gonna have so many different opportunities to work with so many different kinds of people um you know you talked about you know i always like to talk about just some of the pain points in the journey what has been the biggest pain point within within the business as you guys were building fan art? like you know you talk about i'm sure there's difficult personalities to work with um that's i i know that to be true yeah. you know i'm not going i ain't going to have you put nobody out on front street yeah. today yeah. but um <laughs> But what is like, what was something that was just a freaking, is this Morse code or something? Yeah. What did y'all find out? I think the biggest, like, kick in the teeth was when I launched my first fan store. And I won't put the name of the player, but I launched the first store. They had 30,000 followers on Instagram. And I thought, man, they're going to sell a million t-shirts. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I need one client. I'm going to be fine. We launched a store. I thought the website was broken. Because I thought they were going to sell thousand t-shirts and they sold like 10 and like i was like wait this guy's famous and then the reality <laughs> check kicked in that like oh famous is like not a real thing like you, like and then i launched with a bigger guy and i was like you know 15 whatever you know 100, yeah. you know it never was like this insurmountable number where i was like holy cow we need to work with thousands of athletes we can't work with 
10, 10 100. 10. And so people ask, I guess so many names on your platform. It's like, we need them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. and, we're, and we're doing great. But, you know, it's awesome. like, it, there's a con, and it's great that there's a con, now with NIL, there's a constant supply of athletes sure. um, to work with. Um, but yeah, that was probably the biggest initial hurdle for myself, at least. It's uh, true. Anything for you, all? Yeah, I mean, I think throughout the journey, even now, it's something we grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Like, how do you decide who's a valuable athlete? Because we'll get caught up in our fandom all the time, right? Like, I'm yeah. a huge baseball fan. So, okay. like, the, the, you know, third starter in <laughs> the Yankees, on. AAA team. Yeah, that was a bar right there. We get caught up in our fandom. Like, that's yeah. a real, like, y'all we still do. young and enjoying well, this. because we're fans, right? And so I grew up a huge Yankee fan. So, like, the, the third starter on the Yankees, AAA team, to me, is a big deal. Right, mm, that's it's a bigger deal than maybe a top college recruit that I've never heard of. When obviously, like you know, that's a very extreme example. But <laughs> the point is, is like knowing who's gonna a provide value to the company, either provide value through a relationship or just sure. you know, obviously we're here to help all the athletes. But our understanding of who's really provides value in our ecosystem and in the sports world is very skewed. Um, mm. A lot of people will be like, "This person's so famous," or but like Jason said. Fame doesn't necessarily equate to value. Like you'll have a guy with like two thousand followers on Instagram outside outsell someone with two hundred thousand followers. It happens all the time. It's fantastic. And so being able to, you know, we have we've built systems and you know lengthy projections and painstaking nights, ranking athletes <laughs> and trying to figure out what this code is. And there's not a secret code. You know, yeah. I wish we could tell one of our employees like everyone that's over X amount of followers on Instagram is good to go. Everyone that's this level of recruit is good to go. But you have no idea, right? You can never project like who is, but that's definitely like always a common thread with us. And we've gotten so much better at it. Obviously yeah. when NIL happened, we were like, like everyone, we were deers in the headlights. We admitted to it. Most people were like, I got this all figured out. I've been prepping for this. We're like, I, okay. I'd be, <laughs> be laughing we'll at people when they be out here. Like, you know, of course everybody's an agent now. It's like, Hey, listen, man, just just strap on and help somebody. That's not yeah. like, like your, your experts. Uh-oh. As soon as NIL opened up, I think about a thousand guys who like sports added marketing agent to their marketing bio. Agent. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> you know, uncles and aunts out from the woodwork saying, I'm going to represent you now. I know right. I've, I have a degree from, you know, the Culinary Institute, and I know how to use that to help you with <laughs> exactly. marketing deals. Like, like what? It's always, it's, it's always auntie on the corner. Like. <laughs> it is, it's special, man. All right, so here's a thought for, for both of y'all. Like, up to this point, obviously still, like I said, young emerging professionals, y'all getting some amazing things done. I'd even say ahead of schedule, but barely even at, in your prime. What has been the defining moment for you as an individual or as, as, you know, exec, as executives of business owners? There's a lot of defining moments that make up um, you know, the entrepreneurial experience. And my, my biggest hurdle has been to acknowledge when something great is happening because you know it doesn't uh. always come with a monetary reward or like you know like being here this is a if i told myself 10 years ago that you know when i, when I watched that game i'd be on a podcast with that guy yeah i wouldn't have believed it but <laughs> it, seven and ten year old yeah <laughs> ten year old jason didn't know what a podcast was but, but that's a great accomplishment i think um for myself it was probably um, when we, we launched our new platform, um, we had our old website, which is kind of like randomly put together. I had made it. And then like, you know, like I'll try, I'm not a coder and like, <laughs> I'm not even a tech guy, but like I made it myself. And then like for the longest time when I w- we would pitching guys and we had that website, I wasn't proud of it. Cause I, we are, I knew we were building the background. I was like, 
dude, the next thing's gonna be way better just than this. Just wait, it'll be great. And like, no one even knew, no one even knew what I was talking about. Like, it's gonna be great. And then we launched our new platform, and I finally became like proud of the product I was offering. Nice. Um, and so I think that, and like, you know, now I look at it and I'm like, oh, we could do so much more. Like, yeah. but like getting that first, like official website launch was like. Yeah, wow, like you know that vision that you had yeah. in your head, and it finally, it genuinely yeah. apart. Or not even in our heads. There was a while, right? You're building a website, you're designing the visuals of it, and you you make it. There's constant iterations. You go, and Jason and I are both perfectionists, so you know you go yeah. back and you're like, you have like a website page, and then you see a feature on a random app or a commercial, and you're like, yo, they're not going to be better than me. <laughs> yeah. And then we go back, and our software engineers, our designers, are like, you guys are crazy. Like, what's going on? And we're like. It's got to be perfect. We're going to do it again. And so, but you have, so you have like the bones. We had the bones of this new website for like close to a year. Mm. And so we're on it every day. So to us, the old website looks like archaic. We're like, this is like Morse code. (laughs) And so obviously that's not true, but you know what I mean? Like, and so when we were finally able to roll it out, it was a big deal for us. Um, And that's super dope. That's super dope, man. Um, Super excited. So, so yeah, let me let me roll. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spin this back around a little bit. All right. So what what's like um what's y'all off time like? You know like what's what's downtime like? You because I know what I know what entrepreneurship. I know I know what when you're when you're building something it's it's time consuming. Y'all you know y'all y'all you got a you got a girl. You watching podcasts all day. You watching sports all day. What's recreation look like for the crew? Oh, were you gonna take this one first? What does recreation look like for the crew? Um, I hope it's not on Pornhub all day. <laughs> no, we, I, I only speak for myself. <laughs> um, we work a lot. Uh, we work a lot. We were, we were just talking about this as well. Oh, there you go. Um, we because we do our gut checks. You know, tap of the day. Tap of um, the day. We it's a hard thing to shut off, especially when all your work's on your phone, right? Because you can be, and your mind can be spinning in so many different directions. Like I'll be like just sitting down chilling, but what did I used to do to relax? Watch a sports game. (laughs) (laughs) Now um, I still watch the games or like I'm watching highlights on YouTube, but it's like, oh, there's our client or oh, this guy did this or oh, I get an, of course I get an ad for God knows what, you know? And so you're, it's really, really hard to constantly turn off the, you know, the noise. And I was just talking to Jason. I, growing up, I would smoke weed a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> I, oh, I smoked. I smoked more for you by the age I was twenty four. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm sure you did. And I, I've completely stopped smoking weed just like for myself. And I was yeah. not like crazy about it. Like I would just smoke at night to like unwind. But yeah. Stopping doing that made that even harder. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like yeah, that true. Thing that you do to unwind. Um, but. You know, I work out a lot, so I'll go to the gym. Okay. That's like my thing. Like late night, I'll go to the gym and stay, just like stay swole with it, yeah, dog. You know, I'm okay. trying. I'm trying. <laughs> it was a long weekend, so I'm talking know. about, bro. Um, but going to the gym and like you know, being able to just decompress a little bit and yeah. yeah what about you, Jay? Um, for myself, uh, my free time. I don't know. I'm just a pretty standard guy. You know, like <laughs> standard. This guy is trying to pass but, one over on me, man. Like. I don't know, like, I, I love to travel. Okay. Like, like, you know, like, I love, like, just, I went to Costa Rica a couple weeks ago. That was fun. I was. I spent, it was amazing. Like, got waterfalls. Biggest takeaway. Okay. Biggest takeaway from Costa Rica is, I don't know, they got really a lot of forest there. And so <laughs> it's a quite impressive how much forest. I thought, I went there thinking, I'm going to see every animal in the freaking world. I'm going to see monkeys and Sloths and everything, hundred <laughs> frogs. Like I went there, dude. It was so hard to see an animal. No we, frogs. Like, not one frog. <laughs> not they, one frog. They, they had like a 
they had like these night tours you could do, and we it cost like fifty dollars, and yeah. you know, that's not, not that much money, but you know, I want to see some animals for fifty dollars. Yeah, no and doubt. so you go up to the guy, and he's like, we're like, are we guaranteed to see any animals? He's like, well, you're not guaranteed. I'm like, we're paying fifty dollars to not be <laughs> guaranteed to see a sloth. <laughs> you gotta give me something, dog. And so a poisonous we, frog or whole, something. The whole trip, we might have hiked through like a million miles of forest, and we saw five monkeys, <laughs> and, and they were all in the same period of monkey time, like you know, like they jumped across. <laughs> They like waved and like they were done for the day. The that whole trip. Hilarious. Are you into wildlife in general? You want to go? I, I enjoy. Not particularly. Not, not particularly. I'm a glamper. So, so just because it. I learned this, I think it's fun to share. You know. So have you ever been to South Africa? I'm not. Missing. All right. So I haven't necessarily been to South Africa. Actually, I haven't been anywhere. Like I said, I <laughs> have you been there? Neither have I. <laughs> so, but I do have a buddy who who has family in South Africa. So I, we're all aware of baboons, right? Yeah. You, know, ba- you know what baboons' teeth look like? Not much so this is a fantastic story. <laughs> <laughs> baboons have the fangs. Did you know that, like in South Africa, baboons will run in your house? Really? Like, and they're pack they're animals. Dangerous, right? They they can be very dangerous because <laughs> yeah. they're not small, <laughs> and they have massive fangs. So that's the ones they open their mouth and they got the big fangs hanging out. So the only way to get rid of baboons is to kill the alpha. I was like, listen, man, you can have anything you want. You want some Captain Crunch? <laughs> you can have some bologna. You can, listen, you can have anyone, so at least you ain't running no pack of baboons. Nah, you be straight not. out there in Costa Rica. Yeah. Big dog. That's chilling. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, who would you take in the fight, Oliver or a baboon? I might have to take the baboons, dog. <laughs> they, 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 pack, they roll with the pack. I'm just, yeah. I, I, I got to play the game to win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got to play the game to win. All right, so... um. You're originally from, I know you're originally from Florida. Where are you originally from? I grew up here. I grew up in the East Let's Village. go, big dog. Yeah. In New York? In Manhattan. Okay. East in Village. Manhattan? Yep. I grew you up in Stuyvesant Town. I don't know yeah, if you yeah. know where that is. Stuyvesant Town? I wonder how the 1% lives, you know? <laughs> Bougie. <laughs> and you made your way up from, obviously, Florida. What part of Florida? Uh, Palm Beach Gardens. So I'm not too bad either. <laughs> so I'm just the gritty kid from the, from, from the Garden State, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> look at you now. Listen, look at me now. <laughs> hanging out here with y'all dudes. So listen, man. Tell just tell the audience where we can find, you know, find more about Fan Arch. Um, just, just a little last second plug, and, and we'll get y'all on the way, man. Awesome. Well, you can find fanarch.com. Well, find fanarch at fanarch.com. <laughs> you can find David's store there. You can find Tom oh, yeah. Harding's store there. Drops. Anybody's store there. You got the merchandise, <laughs> phone cases, sweatshirts, hoodies, video shout outs. Need some articles. Whatever you want, we got a YouTube Fanart Co. Instagram. That was the only one available when we made the company, Fanart Co. So we're not Fanart, we're Fanart Co. Don't worry about it. Follow it. That's all you have to do. And that's yes. it. Yes, follow us. Tap in on Instagram. We have around 1,100 athletes now. Um, 1,100 athletes. We're growing. We'll have over 2,000 by the end of the year, and the sky's the limit. So if you're a sports fan, if you're not a sports fan, we've got some interesting characters on there. So tap in, and it's all... From the athletes. There's nobody on there we've never spoken to on the phone or we don't work with in some sort of, you know, manner. So, yeah, tap in and get after it. Make sure y'all hit the David Tyree store first. Get some DT3 swag. We're going to keep some fun stuff going. These guys are super dope. And um, ultimately, man, you guys got a great story. You're overcomers. You find ways to get great done. You have defining moments, even at 24 and 22 years old. And, man, the best is yet to come, man. Thank you all for kicking it with me. No problem, Appreciate man. Thanks you. for having us. And listen, man, y'all make sure y'all check in next week for another dope episode. Hit DavidTyree85.com. We got the catch camp coming up in Phoenix, Arizona, 15 years to celebrate the helmet catch. There's always something brewing out of Tyree Nation. Make sure y'all tune in next week to the next episode of Catch the Moment.